Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor podcast. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Tebe Ikalafeng, founder and chairman of Brand Africa. Enjoy this truly thought-provoking conversation. Tebe Kalafeng, my brother, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you so much, Trevor. I pinned you down. You yes, have you been to how many countries the past four days, five days? The past 10 days, I've been to five. Which ones are those? What to, were you doing? Which ones are those? So I started my journey in, in Nigeria uh, on Africa Day. And, uh, I, and then two days later, I was in, uh, I was in Ivory Coast. Then two days later, I was in Rwanda. And then I was back to South Africa, then to Lesotho, tomorrow to Uganda. But I'll tell you what I was doing. Mm. What I was doing is I was, uh, I was announcing the top 100 most admired brands in the continent, mm. which is an initiative that I started through Brand Africa 12 years ago, to really try and get a baseline understanding of what brands Africans are consuming mm. and why. Mm. We will get to talk about that, what brands Africans are consuming and why and the wishes they're not con consuming. But I must, I, I can't not focus on this as we start. Your life is amazing. You border on the line of a bit crazy, Terry. <laughs> you have so much energy, my brother. <laughs> you love the continent. But here is what I can understand. This is what you've done. You've summited Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. You've summited Mount Albras. You've skydived in Sokopmund, Namibia. Bungee jumped the 216-meter-tall Blokrans Bridge. Plunged into the coldest waters on the, in the planet in the Antarctica. Why do you do this crazy stuff? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's crazy, but I think I've been, friends of mine tell me that I've always been uh, a bit on the edge in terms of uh, adventure. Uh, but uh, but a whole lot of them, by the way, is quite interesting that uh, how it all started or how it all evolved for me is as I travel the continent, uh, I started saying when I arrive at the country, I want to do a little bit more than just be a tourist. I just want to do a lot more. I want to eat. I want to sleep in the same place. I want to do the crazy things they do. But I think perhaps I just have a lot of energy and I need a place to burn it. Mm. Uh, and all these crazy things to me uh, were just adding up to, uh, uh, to experiencing different things. But I'll tell you the <coughs> truth is um, how the Kilimanjaro one started. Is, um, as, I was trying, as, as I was exploring my, 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 my Pan-Africanism, or rather deepening my Pan-Africanism, and, and, and having been to many parts of the world, I asked myself a question that as an African, um, many of us are so quick to go everywhere else uh, and to summit everywhere else. In other words, to be celebrated and to do great things everywhere else. But we never ever summited in our own continent. Mm. So to me, it was a very symbolic, philosophical uh, um, um, a moment. I said, let me first summit in the continent. Let me summit in Africa. Because if I can stand on the highest point of my continent, mm. then I can achieve anything else. A apart from being an adrenaline junkie, uh, what... what <laughs> <laughs> what, what benefits? What has this done to you? What perspective has it given? It you? has. Um, uh, it, it 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 breaks down uh, fear. Uh, it open makes you open minded. 
it, it makes you believe you can achieve anything. It tests your resilience. It tests your resolve. It just, it, it just pushes you beyond, uh, beyond the ordinary. I mean, who wakes up at one at the at one a.m. and walks eight uh, eight uh, kilometers or eight hours rather in the middle of a dark night with a little torch to try and get to the top of a mountain that has just been sitting there for hundreds of years not bothering anybody. Who does that? The, You've yeah, just yeah. Who yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, why do so, they do that? So so and 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 you know there was no idea when they started. I said to myself, it's impossible that I could do this. I couldn't walk for four days and then on the last day mm. I faced that peak of Kilimanjaro. Mm. But uh, but it. To me, it was it, it was uh, it was a test of, of of my resolve. It was a test of who I am. Mm. You, and, you know, and I, I, I can't. Can I wouldn't do this. None, also, of, none of the stuff so. you've. Uh, I could try Mount Kilimanjaro, but all this stuff, I'm scared. Elbrus was crazy. You know, Elbrus is all ice. Mm-hmm. And the guy was as we as we walk in there, the guy says to us, "Oh, there's a few bodies there." Uh, Where is Mount Elbrus? By that's way? the highest mountain in Europe. It's in it's mm. in Russia. Mm. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's on the border of Georgia. Yeah. And I remember standing on Georgia and the soldiers on top of the mountain yeah. uh, where we were training before before going to the summit. Mm. I said to him, "Oh, can I just stand here?" He says, "No, no, you can't come here. This is Georgia. Mm. Uh, you know, you're allowed to come this side of the world." So mm. it's in it's in Russia. Let's go on to what you're passionate about which is Africa. And what does it mean to be African? As you, You've traveled to every African country, haven't you? To every country. And, and what have you summed up to be the meaning of being African? Well, to me, it's, uh, and people always ask me that question, and says, uh, what is the common traits? What, what, what makes us African? Mm. And, uh, and to me, it's that, uh, that res- uh, we are resilient people. Uh, we, are a res- we are resourceful people. We know how to reach deep and find solutions. Uh, we are a creative people. We know how to think out of the, out of the box. Mm-hmm. We are a very humane people, a welcoming people. So to me, I found those traits so common, uh, uh, those common traits across the continent. And I found them in different experiences. I found them in experiences of, of <coughs> leaving South Africa and arriving at a country not knowing anybody. And somebody says, you must come over to dinner to my, mm. uh, to my house. Or you know, I arrived in Senegal and I wanted to go to the Gambia. Uh, and I took a car in the middle of the night. We arrived at about 1 o'clock, 1 or 2 a.m. We arrived in the Gambia, at the border of the Gambia, at about 4 in the morning. And uh, when we get there, they said to us, oh, you need insurance uh, for your car to get across. I said, but the car is insured because it's coming. We came with the driver. Uh, they said, oh, but it's insured for this side. You must get insurance this side. And this is four in the morning. So at that point, we then look at each other and we say, how are we going to get insurance this hour? Then there was some guy who looks like a tout outside. And he says, oh, don't worry about it. Let's go get an insurance for you. So we then get into some taxi with this guy. We drive about five or seven minutes. We arrive at some dark a dingy place, a sort of a house. They're using phones to touch. And I'm asking them, what are they doing? He says, they're writing out policies. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, policies? Surely this can't be legitimate. And, um, and then as, as we came to our turn, he ran out of policies. So what do you mean run out of policies? He says, but maybe you can go next door. Just walk across. So we walk across now and we knock in the middle of this night and this young man sleeping on a hot day in, in Senegal um, wakes up a little uh, underpants and wake up and says, uh, let me just uh, let me just go freshen up. Uh, he goes out, he goes out, he just goes outside, 
he splashes water, puts on pants and comes out and we touch him as well and he writes out a policy. And, and then I asked him, these policies, what kind of policies are they? Mm. And then he says, I buy them up front. And then I, I and and wow. and uh, I pre-buy policies because we know that people like you will come here and not have had one. Because you know the first inclination uh, for some of us in Southern Africa, uh, when that happens, we say oh, that's just um, mm. corrupt stuff. Yeah. That stuff is yeah. not working. Yeah. And I learned that you know it's a, it's that creativity I'm talking about, mm. uh, that resourcefulness about us as as, uh, as the, Africans. The, the things that you've outlined as being the meaning uh, of being African sound to me very positive. If they are, and you agree with me that they're positive, why are we in the state that we are in? I think it's such an a, 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 a important question that I think we're in the state that we're in because I think as a people, and I, one can go country by country, uh, is that we have lost the meaning of, what, uh, of, of, of who we are as, mm. uh, as, as human beings first. Mm. Uh, you know, when I, arrived, uh, in, um, when I arrived in Madagascar, I stayed at, a, I stayed at an island uh, in Samari, and, um, and I was speaking to the, the cook and the security there because we're in the middle of this luxury island our island and the and, and I said to him, Oh, I wanna go see where you live. I wanna go uh see where you know, I wanna go eat by your house today. Mm -hmm. It's like a mouse. I said, Yes. And then ultimately you know, we couldn't believe we then went to his place eventually. So in the middle of the night we arrived at this very humble home and um and when we left um he had a bit of tears in his eyes and he said uh he says, you know, my year is going to open up so much. Mm -hmm. My blessings are I said why? He says because people who come here they see us just as security guards. Mm. They see us just as cooks. Wow. They don't see us as people. people. Today you treated me like a human being. Mm. You visited me in my home. Mm. So the reason we're in the state that we're in is because we've lost our humanity. We have lost our sense of purpose. We've actually lost some of the ideals for which our forefathers or grandfathers mm. are fought for. Because mm. you know, when, when they all imagined this uh, Africa, in the multiple phases of the continent. Uh, and let's say at the peak of it, which is perhaps uh, 63, 64, which is the peak of it. Mm. And they imagined uh, at the continent, the type of continent we can be. It was so idealistic, mm. and but we've lost all that. And because we've lost all that, uh, uh, we, we, it, it's, it's frayed at the fabric of who we are. But, but at the core, at the basic level, all Africans are the same. Mm. We all want better, we're resourceful, we're welcoming, we're humane. And you see that in the most ordinary of people. And that's who I focus my energies mm. on. Um, not don't focus my energies mostly on the new elite, if mm. you will. Mm. It, when did you discover this passion for the continent? And what is the journey like? So, um, so obviously having been educated uh, South Africa, America, you come with an idea of what success looks like. You come up with an idea of, uh, and if I started my working career in the U.S., you start thinking, oh, this is what working is like. It's like working for dressing the most beautiful clothes from England, from America, driving the best cars from Germany, uh, drinking the best champagne from France, and all those. That's sort of the definition of uh, of success. But then once you get to that level, at some level, doesn't, it doesn't have to be the, as, as, as the highest level of it, you then begin to ask yourself questions of, what does it all mean? Mm. Uh, because now when you have one and two or three, does it, 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 what does it mean to you? To me, I think the turning point out of interest is uh, when I had a conversation with um, 
with a with the CEO of of Samsung, uh, and um, and and I asked and and I, and I said to him why and it was a commercial discussion about about the success of Samsung in South Africa in Africa rather. Mm-hmm. I said to him, you guys are in every country in the continent. How possible is that? I said, why do you do so well? Because I'm coming out from a marketing yeah, and branding yeah. uh, perspective. And he says to me, oh, that's because uh, I've been to every country in the continent. That's a CEO. He says to me, I've been to, and he's a Korean. Uh, he says to me, I've been to every country in the continent. And I said, oh, that's, I said, that's amazing. I said, oh, and, um, uh, and what do you do and how do you, he says, whenever I arrive in a country, I go eat with the ordinary people. Mm. I go shop where they shop. Mm. And he says, and I look at the countries and I look at the lights going down. Uh, the electricity going down. I look at the people making a plan. And then I said to myself as a business, I said to us as a business, says, we shouldn't be looking at these things as negatives. We should be asking ourselves the question, if the, if the electricity goes down, is there an alternative way to look at this? Uh, because the people here clearly are not giving up. They're finding solutions. How can we make it easier for them as a business? You know, that resourcefulness, mm. that making a plan. Mm. And mm. I said to myself, you know, the thing about us is we look down on our continent so much. Uh, and we look at the, the mistakes that the elite uh, and the political elite uh, have made. And we, 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 look, we, we rather focus our energies on that rather than on who we are. So I said to myself, if somebody who is not an African has been to Africa, yeah. and when he travels, he's not staying at the five stars and driving, being driven around. Mm. He lives with the people. I said, surely there's something wrong with me as an African who has not been to as many countries in Africa mm. and doesn't and, and doesn't have that wow. relationship. Wow. But the second one is um, a second one was quite an interesting one is Tabumbeki then uh, did the opening of tourism, uh, the tourism in Daba. I think it was 2003 uh, in Durban, and um, and um, and he painted a picture of if he ever, uh, and he was still president back then, uh, and, and he, uh, I mean, and a president in power, and, and he painted a picture of if he had time and he could take time away from the continent, what he would do. Mm. And he started uh, painting um, a picture of the different spots of the continent, of the place where he says, I'll go to Ngorongoro Crater and understand this. I'll go to this, uh, to the Saucer's Flay. Mm. I would go to, and, and I started looking at, uh, I started looking at the continent differently. So I'm now thinking, I'm not thinking anymore. You go to uh, south of France, uh, mm. to Cannes. Mm. I'm thinking the beauty is here in our continent. Mm. And so that was beginning uh, some, uh, a level of, of, yeah. of, a, of a transformation. Mm. Self-discovery. Um, a self-discovery yeah. for me. But then I think the third most important thing, I then ask myself the question that all of us look at ourselves as the first this, the first black to do this, uh, the first generation of blacks to, to have access to X, Y, Z. I ask myself the question, so when we're all gone, how will they remember us? Mm. What difference would we have made? And can I play a role in that? Can I use my platform? Mm. Can I use my reputation or my abilities to mm. make a change? Mm. So that's sort of how the beginning of uh, of my transformation. And then, uh, and then I guess if there's other other interesting moments, I had so many meetings, so many coffees, meals with the late Kenneth Counter at his house. We'll sit at his house. He'll be eating with his hands, eating because you know he was a vegetarian. He ate his um, asatsa with the with these um, raw vegetables, vegetables. <clears throat> uh, and we'll, and I listen to the stories of what they did for South Africa yeah. uh, and for the rest of the continent of Southern Africa. I'd listen to his stories of how he tried to make a difference uh, in, 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 in Zambia mm. uh, in terms of uh, transforming the, 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 the country based on uh, 
alleviating what the, the, the negative that he, pos- uh, uh, that he experienced as he was growing. So all those began to have a subconscious play on, on me in terms of uh, how do I transform? Mm-hmm. How do I become a, uh, I don't want to say better African, I want to say how do I become a meaningful African? Mm-hmm. How, how do you market brand Africa? Um, and push back against the notion of Africa is one is one country, <laughs> and we say Africa is not a country. First question. Then secondly, by marketing brand Africa, but by marketing brand Africa, are you not reproducing the notion of Africa is a country? Uh, interesting. So, and I will uh, I will begin it first as a traveler. So as and, and I'll, I'll begin at a point of a South African, uh, and when I travel uh, the continent, people always like to ask me, "How do you adjust in all these countries? Because these countries are not like your country. Uh, you know, uh, the roads, uh, the foods, uh, the, the amenities, and all those." And I said to them, "That's because we as Africans, when we travel, we take our countries with us." And, 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 when you, and I said, me, when I travel, I take only the passport, but I leave my country at my airport. Mm. So that when I arrive at a country, I ta- I'm able to, to add on to mm. my experiences of who I mm. am as a person. So that's how I travel uh, the, the, the continent. And that's how I found I've been able to, uh, to find joy in every country and to find the beauty in every country. Mm. So... And, and in, in doing that, I then begin to learn what is so common, what is common among us, but also appreciate that we are different, mm-hmm. uh, 55 countries, all at different levels of development, all at different uh, levels of experiences, all offering different things. Mm-hmm. So when you sell the story of, 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 of Africa, you don't necessarily sell the story of Africa as a country. Uh, because one of the defining uh, 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 characteristics about about this continent mm-hmm. is us, the people of mm-hmm. Africa, mm-hmm. is how we are and how we do things and who we are. Mm-hmm. So I begin to sell the country continent, perhaps on a, on our character, perhaps mm-hmm. on what distinguishes us, but but also clarify that we are fifty five different countries mm-hmm. and respect uh, and and respect all all those. The same way that the Europeans are able to sell Europe. But they are also able to sell uh, the difference between mm. Switzerland and England and Italy <coughs> and France and mm. all those. Mm. So it's the same way, and people appreciate them for those different things. Mm. So appreci- are, are there many Africans in your experience who are Pan-Africanists to the level that you are, the level that you're describing? You know, um, I <laughs> the many Africans. I think uh, the challenge for most of us, the challenge for most of us, is because we have not travelled much. We have not been. We have not had the opportunity mm. to appreciate us, mm. uh, and by traveling, it enables you to appreciate yourself, and to appreciate the other, and to find the common bounds. Mm. So I'm not sure there are many Africans uh, who have done that because a whole lot of us uh, 
uh, do not have the ability to travel. Mm. We don't have the ability to travel because uh, it takes you 30 to uh, 40 visas to get across mm. the continent. Uh, there's so many complications of, of of trying to get into the different countries. And um, uh, so, so, but but not only that, we also have attitudes about each other. Mm. Uh, we look at, so mm. we, we focus on the stereotypes of each other rather than on the, uh, on, on on celebrating the differences mm. about about each, about mm. each other, I, but I, there's but there's pockets of people. I yeah. mean, I've come across interesting people who've travelled, uh, but very few people have travelled the way I have, which is I've travelled uh, I've travelled to find myself mm. in every place. I've not travelled to go look at places and mm. then look at them uh, differently and say mm. that I'm better than them. But I've tried it, to it's, say it's, it sounds to me like it's a conscious mindset shift um, that requires you to be open-minded about um, experiencing other people in their spaces and, and appreciating them for who they are and seeing that as a self-discovery journey, isn't it? Correct, because it, because it is in the end. Uh, because every new person you meet, they add something to you. Uh, but they also give an opportunity. But you have to be open to it. And uh, and being open to it is a very difficult thing. Mm. Uh, it's difficult because it means you have to let go uh, of or you have to let your go assumptions of, of who I am. And yes, of the of the other. Yeah. Uh, because remember you arrive with assumptions. Yeah. So and that's why I said you must leave the, yes, you must leave it's everything about easy, it. isn't it? Uh, it's not easy. Because we have become so attached to what our colonial masters created, which Indeed. is the boundaries. Indeed. If there's anything that our colonial masters created, um, who oppressed us, we, 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 we like them for, we don't dislike them for what they did, are the boundaries that they left uh, uh, for us. We hold on to those dearly and we will fight to protect the boundaries that the colonizers. So it's a decolonization of the mind of some the sort. It's a decolonization of the mind. It's all, but, 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 but also, I think uh, uh, that uh, the, the, some of the reasons we hold on to those colonial uh, boundaries is very for selfish reasons, and particularly if you look at the politicians, mm. uh, because uh, because a lot of them have lost the reasons, uh, uh, have, have lost. The, first, they don't have a vision for the continent, uh, and uh, forget the vision for their own countries. Mm. Most of them have got the visions for themselves, mm. and because of that vision for themselves, I have not enabled people uh, to unleash people, mm. so people can. Can can flourish, but I mean, there, but there's pockets, you know. If you look at uh, if you look at a country like uh, like Rwanda, uh, with a very uh, a leader with a very clear vision for the country, uh, who's enabled the country to be able to define itself, mm. uh, and in that, and also have has opened the country to Afri other Africans to come in, and explore and and discover the country. By doing that, uh, it will it, it it you know it allows people yeah. to grow. Yeah. So, yes, it's very difficult to let go. How do you, as you travel the African con countries or across the continent, how do you explain the xenophobia in South Africa? How do we explain that, point number one? Point number two, what conversations do you have with, with uh, our fellow South African colleagues about the continent and what's happening as far as this Afrophobia, uh, which is directed at people of African origin rather than any, any immigrants. What conversations do you have with your fellow Africans and our South African comp compatriots? So I arrived, I was, 
I was arriving in Ghana. Then I took out my passport uh, to the immigration guy. Then he takes my passport and then he looks up and says to me, why do you treat our people like that? Mm. And, uh, you know, moments, moments like those are, are very difficult moments uh, because you realize that when you arrive at these different countries uh, and people welcome you as they've welcomed you and you reflect back on some of the challenges that we faced, uh, challenges of xenophobia and all those. Uh, so part of the ways I try to, uh, part of the ways, you know, it's, it's, it's such a difficult thing to explain. Uh, because because the truth of the matter is uh, there's two sides to this uh, mm. to the story. Mm. Uh, the one side to the the one side to the story has got to do with the challenges that South Africa faces, uh, socioeconomic challenges that South Africa uh, faces. But then, like everybody else, when you cannot deal with the with the enemy, you find the uh, the, the 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 weaker person mm. to deal with. So if you look at a country like South Africa, where the where the challenges about poverty, challenges about Violence, challenge uh, gender-based violence, challenge about like uh, and all those. So when the people themselves cannot fight, quote unquote, the system, cannot fight the politics, they then look around them, mm. and when they look around them and they see uh, that other people who've come to South Africa have been able to find a way to flourish in the in the country, create opportunities for themselves. They then look at that and they said, well, here is somebody who's taking away something mm. from me. Mm. But the truth of the matter is uh, the challenge for us South Africans, challenge for us South Africans, because we're a bit of a nanny state. Uh, and we're a bit of a, a, a nanny state and there's a, a, a bit of an entitled uh, entitlement. I um, mean, if you look at our country, for example, we had, what, 30% or so of the people uh, on the dole are, 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 grants, are, 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 are receiving mm. a, a social grant. Then you look at uh, 34% of the people are unemployed and more than 50% of them are, are young people. So, uh, so in the absence of them finding a solution, mm. they then find a victim uh, to, uh, mm. uh, uh, to blame and they look at uh, the person. So when, when I try to access, so, so what I try to explain to people is that at the core of who we are as South Africans, we're actually very welcoming people, very warm people. We're very, um, uh, and, and the problem that we face as a, as a people is because the, the conditions are so difficult uh, for the ordinary, for the ordinary South Africans, and because the solutions don't seem to be, uh, don't seem to be, uh, close or near or, mm. or, or obvious, that people are merely expressing their frustrations. But of course, there's another third side to it. The third side to it is the fact that most South Africans do not know their history well. Because one of the unfortunate things post-apartheid in South Africa is we were not able to institutionalize our history. Mm. Uh, and, you know, when I was growing up, I remember I had to learn about the fort. I had to learn about Jan van Riebeek, mm. who landed in 1652 here, Simon van der Stel, all those. That's how the apartheid system was able to institutionalize it. We now look at these, uh, the Dutch people who came here, uh, who are supposed to have been just stopping by, uh, but came here and saw how beautiful and how rich the country is and made something out of it. Part of how they made a success of it is to, one, to institutionalize who they are, mm -hmm. and second, obviously, to separate, uh, uh, to, to create uh, 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 barriers. What we fail to do, 
in South Africa post-94 is to institutionalize our history, is to conscientize people uh, to our history. And when I talk about our history, I'm not just talking about the apartheid history. I'm talking about our pan-African history, talking about how a, uh, you know, uh, the late uh, President Kenneth Kaunda, um, you know, said to me, my own people wanted to, uh, wanted to lynch me, to kicked me out of government because they felt that I was sacrificing uh, our heart and uh, our, our heart and uh, democratic gains and uh, money that could be used for our children's schools and for education, the freedom of Zimbabwe, and, freedom South of Zimbabwe and South Africa because they gave us homes they gave us mm -hmm. um, uh, opportunities and all those now a lot of South Africans do not know that. I mean, I say a lot of South Africans. I'm talking about obviously because the majority is a young mm -hmm. country. I mean, South, South Africa is a very young country. Yeah. And, and most of them do not know that. So they have no sense of appreciation that when, uh, when a non-South African African comes into South Africa to seek for opportunities, they, as, as economic migrant or as political uh, um, uh, migrant, uh, it's in the same way that we did uh, in the 50s, in the 60s, mm -hmm. into, the, into those countries. Yeah. Now, when you have that appreciation, you perhaps will look at it at things differently. Mm. That's the one side. And then, like I said, the other side, if there's a clearer education, if, sorry, if, there's a, if there was a, a clearer path to prosperity, in South Africa, and um, and 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 a more equal society, mm. and a, and a more and, and opportunities accessible, perhaps people will not be uh, quote unquote uh, xenophobic. Mm. So, to South Africans, I uh, to South Africans, I don't try and explain South Africans uh, the history of South Africa because they ought to know it. Uh, I, I perhaps just try to contextualize uh, mm. how I am received. In other countries, I, I want, I'm interested in knowing what you said to the Ghanaian guy who took your passport and said, "What? Why do you treat our people so badly?" You, you know, it was. It, it's a moment at the. At, it's a moment yeah. at the at the counter, and uh, and and uh, and, uh, and and uh, first I was I was shell shocked because it's not the first question. The first question is, "What are you coming to do here?" <laughs> Uh, and how long going yeah, to be here? Yeah. <laughs> so welcome, welcome to Ghana, well, my friend. And was when you arrive in Ghana, it yes. says Aquaba. Mm, uh, that's the first mm, thing it says. It says welcome. Mm. Uh, and so, but shell shocked uh, at a minute. Uh, but I said the same thing that I said to you okay. earlier, which okay. is, it is not us. Mm, okay. That's not who we are as yeah. a people. Mm. We are at, at, at our core. We're a very welcoming uh, and warm people mm. uh, as a country. If you're confused about healthcare, it's easier to put your trust in us where every contribution is secure and you can be sure that your membership card will be accepted. So relax, you're in safe hands with us. With access to world-class medical providers, little to no shortfalls and free iGo membership for all our Seamus members. Join us today. Together, we make a difference. So Terry, what are you finding as far as the brands rather that Africans prefer and why they prefer those brands. Essentially, I'm saying you've been running around the continent uh, over the past five days. What are those surveys telling you about what our preferences are? Are we buying our own brands? Are we buying African brands? If so, which ones? If we're not buying African brands, what are we buying and why are we buying those, those, Afri those, those brands rather? You know, I started the survey in 2011. And, uh, and, and I uh, approached my friends at Cantor uh, and later at Geopol to bring the teams together because I wanted to have a very well-informed view about the continent. And I wanted it to be not just a personal view. Mm. I wanted it to be a very science-based view 
about the continent and, and where we are. And uh, over the last 12 years, on average, only 20% out of the top 100 brands in the continent that Africans admire, only 20% are made in Africa. Mm. So, and I always try and explain it to people in a different way. I said to them, in other words, 80% of our, of our wealth is outsourced. Mm. I said, it means in other words, if the 80% of the tax revenue that could have been generated for here or the jobs or the creativity or anything else is outsourced. Mm. So, so if 20%, if only 20% of the brands that we admire are made in Africa, mm. there's a challenge and a question we should ask ourselves. And we look at where those brands are coming from. 28% of them are coming from America. Mm. 35% of them are coming from Europe. Uh, 17% of them are coming, or 20% of them are coming from Asia. Mm. And, uh, and only 17% come from Africa. So Africa is the lowest. So we consume the lowest. So it's a continent that is very consumerist. Uh, it's a continent that is not creating. Mm. For a creative mm. continent, uh, it's, 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 it's actually said that we're actually more mm. consumers than mm. creators. Mm. And uh, because a lot of the, the things that we are seeing around why people do that is because we find a lot of validation in Western, in, 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 in validation in Western culture. Mm. So to me, to have arrived is to drive a Ferrari, to wear a Rolex, uh, to drink um, uh, Dom Perignon or any one of those. That to me is a, is a mark of success. So uh, as, an, as an African. Mm. And that's why when you go, uh, when you watch us on, on, on our rap shows, when you watch us on the TV shows, when you watch us on our social media, we are brandishing uh, the rest of the world. But we forget the most important thing, that um, those countries... They are selling their countries mm. and we are selling ours short. Mm. And, and you know, when I went to Cannes line, I went to Cannes, which is south of France for the, for the biggest advertising awards in the world. And, uh, and I was watching the work that was winning. Mm. All the work that the Brazilians were putting forward and was winning told the story of Brazil. Wow. Uh, the, the stories were told in their ways. All the work from uh, Britain, all the work from America uh, had the character and the tonality of their countries. Most of the work that comes from Africa tries to look like them. Mm. So we try to be French, we try to be British, we try to be American, we romanticize those countries and everything that comes from those countries. Mm. I don't have any problem, by the way, with any of those countries, because mm. I think uh, in a global world, you must have the blend of both mm. uh, in the same way that, uh, that they have, uh, they, they consume some Africans. And so, so to me, the biggest thing I found the challenge is, um, is, is the self-rejection of mm. Africans, because mm. ultimately it's a self-rejection of who we are. Mm. If we can't appreciate where we come from and what comes from us. Wow. Uh, we had um, um, Pati Sanyati, um, who is uh, passionate about culture. And one of the things that he said was, our culture is denigrated by people who are not us. But the saddest thing is that we participate in the denigration oh, very much of so. our own culture and our own values. Would you agree with that notion? Oh, very, oh, very much so. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving a talk uh, uh, in a few weeks, and the question was, um, uh, Africa relevant or relegated? 
uh, it's a topic. And, uh, and, uh, and I didn't even come up with the topic. They gave me, they said to me, could you speak to this topic? Uh, is Africa relevant or is Africa relegated? I said, oh, I said, why should we use words like relegated in an African conversation? Mm. Of course we're relevant. Mm. You know, I said, if you look at Stella McCartney, look at uh, uh, um, Gucci, look at all of them. They come to Africa, they, they get inspiration from us, creative inspiration from us. The minerals come from us. The iron and the steel, everything comes from Africa. So we can't, we must be relevant in the, in the big world. But the truth of the matter is we are relegated uh, mm. because we are the ones participating in the denigration of Africa. We look down on African culture. So we say if somebody is uh, from Ndebele or somebody is Ashanti, we call that, um, we call that uh, primitive or we call that uh, uh, too traditional. Uh, but if somebody is from um, wearing uh, 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 something from Britain or, 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 or speaking with a French accent, we celebrate that. Mm. But if an African cannot speak French- English or French. Or English in- Like a, the French in like and English. A, 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 correct. Yeah, even you know, African can't speak French like a French. They're like, oh my God. Uh, uh, but if a French can't speak um, uh, English, it's all right. we're like, oh, that's so sexy. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we love that. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I just love how the French say so that. Say English. But when an African can't do that, they're like, that's so primitive. Wow. You're so well, you're so unrefined. Uh, because we look down on it. You know, Ngugiwa Thiongo, uh, amazing uh, thinker, yeah. as you know. Uh, obviously, you know, he was jailed for, mm. for refusing to write in English. Um, uh, and, you know, at, at some stage in his career, about 30, 40 years ago, he decided he wants to write in Kiswahili mm. and rather and then be translated to English rather than to write in English be and be translated to Kiswahili. He said something very, very important. He said, if a man or a woman can express themselves better in a foreign language and less so in their, in their birth language, then they are enslaved. Mm. So a whole lot of us I'm are enslaved, enslaved because, because we can express ourselves in many ways and expression mm. is in many ways. Absolutely. Do you know, you must admire a woman like Esther Matlango oh, because yes. Esther, yes. Uh, Esther uh, has got those um, debele uh, um, chains, mm. uh, uh, debele, um, uh, adornments, mm. which are made <clears throat> out of brass on the legs and on the necks. And, and beads and, and, beads. and yeah. those, but those, but that neck brace, you, you you put it on when you get married, and it only takes off when you date. Mm. And she travels anywhere else in the world, and she never goes anywhere other than Esther Matlangu. And mm. she's incredibly aware of who she is as a person, mm. and uh, and and she is being accepted and celebrated. For who, of course, in many ways, it's, she's been, in many ways, she's, I guess, uh, been um, put on a pedestal yeah, yeah. or put as a, yeah. uh, are you with me? Yes, uh, but, yes. but in many ways, what I appreciate about her is it, whenever she travels anywhere else, and I said to Mama, how do you go through those machines? Tina, you just have a little pin in your pocket. Take it out. And they said, take it out. And you've got all the entire uh, steel from Asolomito <laughs> with you that you go through and nobody stops you. He says, that's who I am. Mm. They have to accept me. So we need to have that some of that attitude. Yeah. That that's who I am. That mm. Ngugiwa Thiongo mm. attitude. That Esther Matlango mm. attitude. The the other thing that you're passionate about is that is our property rights, and that is that we we don't leverage, uh, nor protect our property rights. And you have examples of uh, 
ideas that have been stolen from Africa. Would take us through some of those in terms of marketing and and, and brand building. Oh, let me, I mean, uh, and and you know, I like to speak about different, big uh, examples from different uh, from different countries. Let's speak about Ethiopia, mm -hmm. which is uh, which is the one country which was never colonized. Well, it was tested for four years by mm -hmm. the Italians, mm -hmm. but never fully colonized. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you know, coffee comes from kaffa. Uh, in it in in, uh, in, uh, in 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 Ethiopia, and um, and um, and Starbucks uh, and, and Starbucks, which was importing coffee from our uh, from 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 Ethiopia, started using Ethiopian names mm. uh, and all those and and charge and obviously got a premium. For, for selling the coffee uh, and, and using Ethiopian names and all those. So the Ethiopians, then they decided, but we got to challenge this. That is our, that's our intellectual property. Those names are indigenous to who we are, to the countries where we come from. And, and they challenged them on, 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 on that. And it took about three years. Uh, and what they then did differently, the Ethiopians, uh, uh, the, the, the coffee society there, they decided we need to do the same thing they do to us. We mm. need to brand our stuff and we need to raise the values of them. So the next time they come knocking, we sell them for, for, for the same price that mm. they are making. Mm. Uh, it was a long protracted battle, but ultimately the Ethiopians won and they get more money mm. uh, out of the coffee, the coffee growers. Because the coffee growers were getting like peanuts and Starbucks was making more money. Mm. And now the, the, now the, the roles were reversed because uh, they fought for their intellectual property. Mm. Because mm. we have a lot of times in this continent where our ideas Expropriate. Do you have another and, example? Um, another example. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll use a small, uh, a recent, small, a small recent, mm. uh, a recent one. Uh, Makosa, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who's a, a South African young designer, mm. uh, and uh, and he 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 created it. Obviously, he he deduced his designs from uh, from the Kosa culture. Mm. Uh, and 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 one day I was I was in, out of the country. Text me a message. He sends me a picture. He says to me, "Can you believe they are selling socks in London, mm -hmm. which has got which have got which look exactly like my socks?" Mm -hmm. And he says to me, "They still they they they've stolen my idea." Mm -hmm. He says, "We we can't allow." I said, "Oh, just come down. We will deal with this." And this was uh, Zara, mm -hmm. uh, and Zara is a mega uh, Spanish brand. Uh, and you know, says so they have taken my ideas, and uh, and of course we took we took Zara on for this. Uh, for, uh, uh, for, Did you for, win the, the, uh, the case? Well, we uh, we arrived uh, we arrived at at, at some uh, some some resolution okay. uh, with, with with Zara, and um, still it's still not wholly resolved, mm. but but at least we, they were willing to engage us. About three three four years mm. uh, going, so we have a lot of those examples mm. across the continent, yeah. from as big as the coffee, uh, mm. in, in as, as I said, to as small. But you look at, uh, for it's example, because again, it's, it's, yes, it's big. It's but you look too. at the Maasai as well, mm. um, and, uh, and 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 the Maasai, the same thing. What the Maasai have been able to do now, they've been able, they've been able now to uh, to um, to trademark. Uh, to trademark anything with Maasai, the pattern, the cloth. So when people like Louis Vuitton, all those are using that idea, they are now paying a they are paying a royalty. Mm. But you can go to another big example, mm. Raybos. Mm. Raybos is indigenous uh, to Western Cape, uh, to uh, uh, to in particular a community in the Western Cape and near the mountains. And um, and now remember, somebody uh, took the Raybos in 19, I think that's 94, uh, and um, trademarked it in America. 
and said, and 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 they said, anybody who uses swear boss anywhere, they must pay me a royalty. That was challenged uh, because then we uh, then the the community in, uh, in 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 Western Cape was able to fight us for many years. I think last year or two years ago, uh, the community yeah. won the what you call. Um, geographic indication, mm. which means that if something is indigenous to a place, you cannot take the trademark mm. away from there, from those wow. people. Wow. So now it becomes an, a trademark that is indigenous to the people of the Western Cape, that particular mm. part where it was comes mm. from. So we've got lots of those from country to country where our ideas are taken, mm. um, uh, where our ideas are, are, are taken and we don't fight. What we need in this continent is we need the ability to fight for our intellectual mm. property. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I decided, uh, you know, to uh, in addition to do my my master's in law for that particular reason yeah. of intellectual property, because I said I wanted to get a better idea of of, uh, of how we can fight, fight for back. our fight. Mm. How we can fight. It's back. good that we're winning some. It, 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 uh, disappointing though that you believe that um, our young people, professionals in marketing instead of uh, being authentic, they're actually fighting to fit in. Um, and if we're saying oh, across the continent, 50% of the people are young. So the problem that we're talking about is actually being replicated by these, our young people who think that it's much more uh, sexy to have foreign brands than to have local brands. This is going to be an ongoing problem. Because we don't validate them mm. uh, uh, up here in our own countries. Mm. Because mm. until we validate and celebrate and remunerate them for that. They will always look outside because when a young person comes and puts forward an idea mm. that is Afrocentric, mm. for example, mm. uh, it is looked down on. But when somebody comes up with something else, but actually the bigger problem is who is the decision maker? You're right. Uh, that's actually the biggest uh, the problem that we're facing. That when uh, that when I come to present my idea or I try to sell something or I try to create something, and Trevor doesn't come from the same mm. culture, mm. Uh, so African Trevor is not African, if you will, of African descent, uh, if, uh, if you will, and it looks down on this idea, and Tebe is discouraged from. Uh, from pursuing, uh, from pursuing mm. that idea. You know, I was asked uh, the other day about about the transformation in advertising in in South Africa. South Africa. And I was and I was, and I was I tried to explain that um, that in two thousand and two, I stood on a on, on a podium in, in a Central Convention and spoke up about the need to transform our creative product, so that our stories must be told in an in in a way that we can relate to. In a way that um, that uh, that not only relate to, but also that helps people to understand us. Mm. You know, like Mandela, Mandela once said, "If you speak to a man, um, uh, if you speak to a man in the in the in their language, uh, it goes further. It opens doors. It opens doors, and you, you, the relationship is better." Has there so, been transformation within the South African industry? I mean, you were chairman of the Lorries and Art Focus. In a nutshell, has there been transformation? No, not really. No. We're still the same. We're still stuck mm. in the same place. Mm. Uh, because if there was if there was transformation, we would not be having uh, the recent debates which were had in South Africa now by the South African Human Rights Commission, yeah. which looked into transformation in the industry. They will not be having the government of South Africa having to come up with a new charter or a new regulatory body to regulate uh, transformation. Uh, and uh, there's been absolutely no transformation. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, lipstick on a pig, if you will, mm. uh, in terms of uh, there's been a lot of um, 
um, uh, fronting mm. uh, for over over the years. But I think the problem has been, as I said, at the decision making level. That uh, us as the marketing directors of companies, we are, unfortunately we just have the titles, yeah, uh, and we have. We don't the, make decisions, but we don't really make the mm. decisions mm. because the decisions are made in golf courses and in farmhouses mm. uh, on weekends. And our job is just to carry through those mandates. And we try to change uh, mm. that story. We lose our jobs. Yeah. Do you want me to lose my my, 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 my house and my car mm. and my status and my golf membership <laughs> just for the sake of, of of doing something that means something to some to somebody 80 percent of a continent? I'd rather please twenty percent. <laughs>